Good morning, family. At the time of our text today, it is called the Passover celebration. And every Jew in that ancient time from all over the world would endeavor to make it their business to make the pilgrimage back to Jerusalem where they could again celebrate what God had done by rescuing them from Egypt in their time of bondage in a foreign land. Passover was usually celebrated for one entire week in Jerusalem, and it was filled with activity, services, sacrifice, and fellowship. It was a major event in the life of the Jewish community, and everyone knew the importance on being present in the temple during the Passover celebration. In the preceding verses before verse 41 of our text today, Jesus and his family were in Jerusalem for this same celebration, but this time they were there to dedicate him as a baby and to be um, circumcised in this great place and during this great celebration. In those verses, which we normally would have preached for you, but in those verses, we saw that there were two amazing saints that met them in the temple for worship. One was named Simeon and the other Anna. These were legendary leaders in the temple ministry. And they were there to bless Mary and Joseph on this powerful baby dedication and this opportunity to offer sacrifice back to the living God. So we see here that Joseph and Mary have kept this tradition all the way up until Jesus' birth in the time of this text. He's now, according to the story, 12 years old. So for 12 years, mom and dad will continue to lead their family to this amazing Passover celebration in Jerusalem. So this typical or, or non-traditional trip this day to the temple is going to cost them something. Just like every trip to the temple has cost them something. And so as we come to today's text, you and I recognize several things about this text. Number one, it's about calling. It's about spiritual formation. And it's about God speaking and moving in the life of his only begotten son. So what I hope we will discover today, RCC as a family, is how to be sensitive to the prompting of the Spirit when we see him working in the lives of our family members. And you might say, now, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, God had already told Mary and Joseph in previous chapters that we've taught and preached through that Jesus was born to save humanity. He gave them witnesses. He gave them shepherds. He gave them angels. He would give them wise men. 
He will give them saints in the temple like Simeon and Anna. He will give them dreams and prophecies. And so I believe that in this passage today, Joseph and Mary get reminded of the calling and the promises of God that were already spoken over the life of Jesus. And so it's back to the temple where they need to go in order to be reminded that God had a plan. God had a purpose and God had a promise and a mechanism for training his son to get prepared to live and to work for him while he was on the earth. And this involved going back to the temple. So there are four things today I'd like to unpack for you today, and the awesome media team is going to help their preacher to get it done. Can we say amen for the media team? Amen. Number one, we're going to look at going back to sacrifice. Number two, going back to serve. Number three, going back to search. And then finally, going back to submit. We'll unpack them for you as we go. Verse 41, for those of you online, thank you for being here as well. The Bible says his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. RCC, when we come to this portion of the text, you and I get to see Joseph, Mary, Jesus, and they had other kids now, the other siblings, going back to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover celebration. It's their family practice. It's their family spiritual formation. And it was their cultural tradition to take this act of journey and worship together as a unit. But I don't believe that this is why Dr. Luke wrote this in this narrative for us. No, I believe that Luke wants you and I to see something different about the journey this time in Jesus' life. For example, he's older now. He's 12 years older. And that means he's a teenager. He knows now more about who he is and why he is here than he did as a baby. And this time is not like any other time. No, this time, his anticipation and his expectancy and what he's going to encounter in the temple is totally different. I believe that Jesus understands more now about his calling and who he was and who he was to become now that he's here on earth. See, he was called from birth by the Father to be something of great importance. In fact, the most important person who ever lived on the planet. He was called from birth to do that. He was a miracle baby. He was divinely conceived. He was prophesied over. He was destined for greatness. He was the promise of Israel and the salvation for all of humanity. And now, yes, he's on his way back to the temple. To do what, pastor? To observe 
to be a witness, to listen for the voice of God concerning the will of God for humanity, for himself and this great purpose. And I need to pause right here and give you some good application that I think will apply for every family in the room today. I believe that we are called to pay attention to the calling of the lives that are on our children. I believe that God has marked our children for greatness. He has called them from the womb for an eternal relationship with the true and living God. And in that relationship, they have a call to enter into God's salvation and to have a personal, intimate relationship with him. And this is to be taken close example of, beloved. I believe that God has given our babies the breath of life. And he has handmade them in the womb in his image for his honor and his glory. And that's why bringing them to the temple is so very important. I need an amen right there. Now, it's of great importance, beloved, that we bring them to worship each week. Why? So they too can learn how to offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That's what that first point is teaching us. And we've looked now at what happened when they went back to sacrifice. Let's look now at what happened when they went back home to serve. The Bible says in verse 43 and 44, when they had finished the days of the Passover feast, they returned. And the boy Jesus, he lingered behind in Jerusalem. He had never did this before. And Joseph and his mother, they didn't know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. Verse 45. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Beloved, when we come to this second portion of the text, we see that the parents had completed their worship. And the Bible says, and when the days were finished, Jesus lingered. And here it is. Let me say it like this. Their worship was over, but his was not. Their time for being with God and being in fellowship and being in community was over. But Jesus was longing for more. Here we see what I call is the difference of the parent's calling and the calling of the Lord Jesus. His calling drove him to want more, to hunger for more, to desire more, and to stay behind and dwell in the temple. He was willing to study while everybody else was willing to call it quits. And Mary and Joseph, the Bible says, didn't know it. Now, now, I don't know how they did this or how you forget your 12-year-old. I'm not blaming Joseph or Mary or picking with them, but, but I believe, yes, Joseph and Mary were more concerned with getting back home to, to Nazareth to serve. And they took their eyes off of what God was doing in the life of their child. They forgot about Jesus. 
And perhaps they suppose he was just another one of the kids in the crowd. And so they missed what God was saying to him, doing in him, moving in him. And what this encounter in the temple, now that he's 12, meant to him. Now, I know I can hear somebody saying, Pastor, you don't know how many kids she had, right? I you might forget one or two. I, I've done it before. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> making accusations against them. But I do believe this. They forgot the sacred call that was on him. He was unlike the other children. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Born of the virgin. And they had all these amazing prophecies and testimonies to occur when he was born that they did not have with the other children. I believe that they became over familiar with the occasion of going to the temple and over familiar with who he was and who God the Father had called him to be. Perhaps they just became like other familiar worshipers who simply come to the, the, the feast or the tap or, or the temple out of tradition instead of expectation. I got a question for our listeners today. What kind of worshiper doesn't recognize God is not in your presence until you need him to be? What kind of worshiper leaves the Lord in the temple and travels home without him. Mary and Joseph left the Son of God in Jerusalem and traveled back to their ministry locations, their homes in Nazareth, and didn't even know the Lord was not with them. Here I come, RCC. Is that you today? Have you ever been challenged with that? You've come to the temple, the place of worship together to give him praise, but you leave him here. I don't know. I don't want to poke fun at you or pride, but I do mean to preach to you today. Here's the application. It's a serious mistake to leave the Lord out of your journey each week. It's a serious mistake to forget the gift that the Father has given you to nurture you and to nurture your kids. It's a serious mistake to leave those things behind as if they only exist for the temple. Let me say it like this. Somebody should have been watching for Jesus. Somebody should have seen how excited he was to be back in the temple. Somebody should have seen how glued he was to the priest preaching in the, in, the, in the temple, somebody should have seen how much the word of God mesmerized him this time that they were there. Somebody should have paid attention to what God was doing in the family and stayed behind with Jesus instead of being hurried, hurried to get back to Nazareth. Joseph and Mary left with the crowd, the community that came from their village, and they missed out on what God was doing in their son's life. God the Father was speaking to Jesus. Here it is. Who was their ministry? Beloved, but they missed it. They missed it because they were not paying attention and not in tune 
with the spiritual work of formation in the life of their own home. But, I said but, the good news is they recognize what they did and they recognize where they went wrong. And the Bible said in their serving, they went back to search for Jesus. I don't know how that happened, but I imagine to be a fly on the wall in that procession and Mary's counting heads, lining up all the children and she finally realizes, uh-oh, Joseph, do you know where Jesus is? And Joseph is like, no, I haven't seen him since we crossed the first bend coming out of Jerusalem. I thought he was with you. They lost a kid. And here's what I learned in this passage. It's never too late to go back and get your ministry. Oh, an amen goes right there. It's never too late to correct your mistakes. I'm hunting for an amen, RCC. It's never too late to recover what you've lost. It's never too late what you, uh, to fix what you might have messed up. It's never too late to go and search for the word. We've looked at going back to the temple to sacrifice. We've looked at going back home to serve. Let's look now at going back to search for the word. Look at what the Bible says in verse 46 and 47. The Bible says, now, and so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple. And he was sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and he was asking questions. This is a 12-year-old young man. And verse 47, and all who heard him, heard Jesus, were astonished at his understanding and his answers. Verse 48, so when they saw him, they were amazed. Who is the they? Joseph and Mary. And so Mary, mama, said to him, son, why have you done this? Look, your father and I have been looking for you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? Sounds like a sassy teenager, huh? I don't think that was it at all. Verse 50, the Bible says, but they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Beloved, when we come to this portion of the text, we get to see what I call as two distraught servants trying to recover what they lost. I like this right here because it shows focus. It shows that they've now got their priorities together. It shows that they found out what was really important in their home. And it was their child, Jesus. Not only is this illuminating, but where they found him and where they would go to discover and recover him, I call critical for our learning today. First of all, they had to travel all day long to get back to the place where he was. And when they got to Jerusalem, they had to pass by all of the distractions of the feast day. They passed by the sheep gate. They passed by the temple courts. They passed by the court of the Gentiles. They passed by all the ceremonial symbols and types. 
and they make their way to the divine location where Jesus was still sitting with the rabbis being taught in the word of God. Here it is. The Bible says they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening and asking questions. Beloved, when they discover him, he's sitting in the position of a student and he's interacting as one who has an assignment. He's not just an observer. He's a participant in his own spiritual formation. This was the ultimate C group. That's all I'm trying to say. Jesus is doing what is most important right here, and he's doing it without distraction or disruption. Listen, he's in training. He's focused. He's on point. He's walking in his calling, dwelling in his commission, and discovering what he needs to know to grow in the purpose and plan of God that God has for his life. This is a wonderful statement right here why you support youth ministry. Because God speaks to them. He gives them visions and dreams. He gives them passions and callings, and he wants to give them teachers. Let me put a plug out here. If your youth isn't in youth ministry, get them there. Why? God wants to teach them something. God is quick to minister to them. And let me just say this, too. Don't be so quick to drag them out of here on Sunday morning. Why? There's teaching happening in the temple. I'm hunting for a witness, but I got my own right there. This is good for parents to see. But it's troubling also in this verse that Mary and Joseph don't see it. Let me explain. They came to see where he was, but they didn't understand what they were seeing. When they found him and discovered what he's doing, the Bible says they were amazed. And Mary felt offended that Jesus had stayed behind and decided to learn more about God. Here it is. Mary thought that Jesus, her ministry responsibility, had done something to her instead of seeing what God was doing in him. Okay, I have a little saying we would say in the inner city, don't make it up, look it up. It's in the Bible. She says, why have you done this to me and your father? She took it personal. That Jesus, you've done something to me. Why did she do that? Well, I believe she forgot. He was God's only begotten son. I think she forgot. He was God's gift to humanity and that he was the steward, or rather she was just the steward. God was the owner. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Secondly, I learned that Jesus responds in this way not to disrespect her, but it's a biblical reminder of what God's purpose and plan was for him in the earth. He said, why did you seek me, mom? Didn't you not know that I must be about my father's business? Wow. This answer is so profound, beloved. I believe that it's what brings Mary's uh, memory back to what God was doing in the earth in the life of Jesus. See, it could draw her back to 12 years ago when the angel Gabriel 
came to visit her and give her this marvelous assignment. It would draw her back to her meeting with her cousin Elizabeth, who also testified about what God was going to do through the miracle baby he, she was going to have. It would draw her back to her encounter with the shepherds, to the wise men, to Simeon and Anna in the temple. Jesus said, didn't you know? Don't you remember? Wow. I must be about my father's business. What a gentle kingdom reminder, not a parental rebuke. That's not that. I don't think Jesus would do that to her. Well, we've looked at them going back to sacrifice. We've looked at them going back to serve. We've looked at them going back to search. Let's land the plane now at them going back to submit. The Bible says in verse 51 and 52 that then he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And he was subject to them or submitted himself to them. But his mother kept all of these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Thank you, RCC, for listening today. Thank you for being prayerful through the proclamation of God's word. As we land the plane, I want to show you an amazing picture. Here is Jesus, the King of Kings, in all of his divinity and humanity, subjecting himself to the earthly authority of his mom and dad. This flies in the face of teenage rebellion right here. He submits himself to the ministry of Mary and Joseph. He models what it looks like to understand who you are, but wait for your time to lead. Oh, that's good right there. But secondly, Mary kept all of these things, the Bible says, in her heart. In other words, she understood better now that Christ was truly sent by God and that the Father was working in his life. Brother Norm, good to see you. Thirdly, we see in this passage, because he was willing to go back and submit, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Don't miss that, young people. Don't miss that. Because he was willing to submit. God blessed him. And he was able to grow immensely in the things of God and even physically. I like this. He was so, had so much favor with God and with others that people knowing him wanted to bless him. It means they spoke well of him. They helped him. They looked out for him. Why? Because of his ministry of submission. Jesus himself submitted to his parents and now the plan of God is being made evident in his life because he's a submissive son. Here's the application and I'm closing now. Jesus practiced and modeled submission 
in every area of his life. He was submissive to the plan of the Father. And as a result, he came down from heaven to redeem you and I. He's the second member of the Godhead. He submitted himself to the plan of God. He was submissive to his parents. When they didn't even understand the true call of God on his life, he yet submitted himself. He was submissive to the crown of thorns that was placed on his head at a sign of embarrassment. Yet he continued to want to redeem you and I. He was submissive to the nails being drawn in his hands and the nails being drawn in his feet when he himself said, no man takes my life, but I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I'll take it up again. Meaning he has the power and authority to stop the crucifixion anytime he wants. But yet he submits to the plan of God. He was submissive so that you and I might be reconciled back into a right relationship with God. That tells me that we need to be submissive to one another and our ministry in the earth. We must not have a pious, arrogant mentality when it comes to our brothers and sisters, whether they look like us or not. Ours is a ministry of submission and is taught to us by the Christ. There is so much, beloved, we can learn when we study Calvary. He's teaching us how to handle unjust elections. He's teaching us how to handle crime in the community. He's teaching us how to handle hatred and, and, and people disrespecting you and mistreating you on the job. He's teaching us what it looks like to be Christ-like in a fallen and broken world. I've discovered this. It's not always about demanding my rights. In fact, it's really about me giving up my rights for another person's wrong. I'm not hunting for an amen. I feel one right there. When I look at Jesus, he teaches me how to handle injustice. When I look at Jesus, he teaches me how to serve those who hate me. When I look at Jesus, he teaches me how to live in a hostile world with a humble heart in love with the Father. Calvary is a masterful teacher. He died, didn't he die? They took his body down and put him in a borrowed tomb. And while he was in the tomb, because he was submissive to what the father was calling him to do, that was the time to exercise his power. And in the grave, the Bible says he took the sting out of death. Victory over the grave. Now that's power. And early Sunday morning. God the Father raised him back to life. And now he sits at the right hand of God and one day all of his enemies will be at his footstool. But he's submissively waiting on the time for the Father to say, now, exercise your judgment. I'm through. I was wrestling with something here, Pastor John, and I thought I'd share it with us today. What do you have when you have Jesus? When you have Jesus... You have a love that can't be fathomed. When you have Jesus, you have a life that can never die. When you have Jesus, you have a righteousness that can never be tarnished, a peace that can never be understood, a rest that can never be disturbed, a joy that can never be diminished, 
a hope that can never be disappointed, a glory that can never be clouded, a light that can never be dark, and a purity that can never be defiled, and a beauty that can never be marred. When you have Jesus, you have a wisdom that can never be baffled, and an endless resource of power, yes, and love unexhausted. What a beautiful, beautiful reminder of what you have when you have Christ. I'm glad today that they went back to the temple to sacrifice. I'm glad today that they went back home to serve. I'm glad today that they came back to the temple again to search. But I'm mostly glad that they went back home to submit. I'll tell you why, because in those four S's become the secret to ministry in your life and in my life. Story is told of a captain of a great ship who was sailing at a dark night on his way into his final destination. The night was so dark and foggy that he couldn't see anything but a far light off in the distance. So immediately he told his single man to radio in in the message, alter your course 10 degrees to the south. And promptly a response came back, alter your course 10 degrees to the north. The captain got a little angry and he commanded now his seamen do it again. So he sent another message, alter your course 10 degrees to the south. I am the captain. Message came back, alter your course 10 degrees to the north. I'm seaman third class Jones. By this time, the captain is so hot, he emails or texts back the message, alter your course 10 degrees south. I'm a battleship. Reply came back, alter your course 10 degrees north. I'm a lighthouse. <laughs> Did you catch it? See, I learned from this parable, beloved. It's not who you are or what you think you are or who your title is. But submission to others is the life that matters in ministry. Sometimes the call to submit could be a life-changing situation. Make it up in your heart today to live this submissive life. Because if you don't, there's oftentimes consequences. And all God's people said, would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father God, thank you so much for this very challenging message that reminds us about the power of submission and service, sacrifice, but most of all, what it means to live in community. I thank you for RCC today, and I thank you for their willingness to walk through these very difficult portions of Scripture and to be challenged in their formation. Thank you that your word is alive, your promises are true, and that the spirit of the living God speaks to lead us and guide us in every area of our life. Now, as we prepare to worship you, as we prepare to meditate on this passage, help us, O oh God, to be willing to live a life of obedience 
that will bring you honor and glory and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us?